And it's been good to be with you this week, and I, I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And we certainly enjoyed uh, fellowship and uh, your pastor with his family and the staff. We've, we've enjoyed that and the time here. And uh, thank you for your faithfulness and just and being here, a large number uh, here every night. And that's tremendous. And I commend you in the sense of just for that. You know what? There's one thing. That I, as I read the Word of God, when we get to heaven as Christians, we're going to be judged. And the, and the one thing that we're going to be judged about, you know, we, we don't all have the same talents. We don't all have the same abilities. And so, but I tell you what, we everybody that's saved can be faithful. Moreover, in stewards, it's required that a man be found Faithful. It's that faithfulness that you and I are going to stand before him and how were we faithful. And regardless of all the others, just where you do it. Yes, sir. Oh, yes, thank you. Watch, yeah. So the other brother told me that. All right. Now you can hear me. So do I need to go back and repeat everything? Else? No, okay, I won't do that. Okay. <laughs> And, uh, and this week, uh, uh, like your pastor just said, we, we want you to uh, keep uh, your heart in mind. We've been using the butterfly as an illustration. But remember, it's just an illustration to help us understand what God is wanting to do in our heart and in our life. And I want to challenge you, even after tonight, that when you see a butterfly, uh, may the Holy Spirit just use it to remind you and say, look, Am I all that God wants me to be? Am I progressing and growing as a child of God? Am I bringing glory to God? And so uh, throughout uh, our life, and so, uh, pardon me, that's what we're supposed to do. Go to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2 is our, the key verses, but we're going to drop down to where we left off in the latter part. And this whole Romans chapter 12, I believe, is uh, the Apostle Paul uh, telling these Roman believers that they need to be transformed, changed, and then he gives them uh, what's going to transpire, how that change is going to work, and what it's going to do for them. And so he says in verse 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Number one, when we get saved then we need to realize that we've been bought with a price and present our bodies to the Lord as a living sacrifice. That means it's totally his to do with whatever he wants. And then he says, uh, uh, holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, there's that metamorphosis, uh, by the renewing of your mind. Let God renew your mind. That's part of this transformation is not thinking like we used to think before we were saved, but thinking like Christ would have us to think. That mind that was in Christ, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect or complete will of God. Our will submitted to his will. And that's that transformation that takes place. We saw how this is happening, and I'm just going to run through it really quick. It starts with life. Can't grow if you're not alive. 
And so uh, that life spiritually begins when we're born again in the Spirit of God, when we get saved. And that's where life begins, because before that, we're dead in trespasses and sin. But when we get saved, we are quickened, made alive in Christ Jesus. And so then the growth process starts, and we need to feed on the Word of God, voraciously feed on the Word of God. I mean, eat the Word of God, take it. You know, uh, uh, we see that uh, in the Word of God, it talks about how that it's sweet to the taste, but it can be bitter in the stomach sometimes. I said, you know what? When we hear the preaching of the Word of God, sometimes it's sweet when we first hear it and get in, but when we start swallowing it and applying it to our life, uh, sometimes it disturbs us and bothers us, you know? And, and, and that's not bad, folks. That's good. If the Word of God works in our heart and in our life and those areas that need to be changed, the Holy Spirit's going to point them out to us as we get in the Word of God. And so he eats and he eats because he's looking forward. He's, he's preparing for this change that's going to glorify and, 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 uh, as the, and make him what he's intended to be by the Creator. And that's a butterfly. He don't want to stay in this stage. He wants to progress on. And so in the latter parts of this stage, he dies to self. He literally dies inside. The caterpillar parts of him uh, are dying, and he's casting them off, even as he does the outer shell, in that last-minute preparation for going into the chrysalis. The chrysalis is a time of development. It's a time, if you please, of, of isolation and, and memory. Uh, we, we talked last night. He doesn't eat during this stage, but he's eating so much of the Word of God, he's got it hidden in here. And as a result, he just, it's like meditating on it. He lets it work on him now on the inside. I, but I tell you what, I, I love that, folks. When you read the Word of God, you know, you ought to take time to think about it. Yeah, uh, Bible reading, I've had Bible reading in my time. I've tried to read the Bible, but i got to be honest with you. There's times I knew I needed to read the Bible, and so I read it. But they were words because I was trying to cover so much of the Bible and reading it. The only thing was I didn't let it absorb. I, I, I did not digest it, so to speak. I just kind of scanned over the words. No, 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 the way we're to read the Word of God is to allow it to do the work inside on us. And if we'll meditate on it and think on it, I'm going to tell you what, it'll do it. And then what will happen is when we come to certain times within our Christian life, we'll recall it. We'll bring it up. That's what meditate means. It's like a cow chewing their cud. I don't want to get disgusting now, but y'all understand that when a, child, a cow chews its cud, it didn't just one time and it's gone. No, he keeps bringing it up until it's all digested. Amen. In other words, it's all put into use. That's the way we need to do with the Word of God. We just keep chewing, meditating, and allowing the Word of God to work in us and work on us so that the Lord can work through us. And so we find here that this caterpillar, he's getting ready. Then he goes into the chrysalis, and that and now all these changes, all of this uh, development is taking place. 
And, and inside here, you can't see it, but I'm going to tell you something. He's protected by the chrysalis as his life is being transformed. His purpose is being changed now. And, and when I think about this chrysalis, I think about Ephesians 6. Put on the whole armor of God. Hey, uh, that's our protection against this old evil world. We say, well, how do you put on the whole armor of God? Glad you asked. By getting in the word of God. Yes, by hearing and, and, and taking, hey, our faith to increase as we hear the word of God. And then we prepare ourselves to serve him. And, and, that, and that word becomes our only weapon is the spirit uh, that uh, the spirit uses the word of God. And so as a result, we need the word of God. But he's in there, he's protected, and the development stage starts. We saw that last night as we looked in here, and we saw that Paul, talking to these Christians here, he made the point of how that their attitude should be changed. That they have a different perspective. That's what he's getting. But now he's getting ready to emerge. <laughs> Say, how do you know? Well, the, 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 the chrysalis starts to split. And when the chrysalis starts to split, you begin to see a bit of the wing. And the wings are right there toward the outside of the chrysalis. And in the chrysalis, the wings, by the way, he had no wings when he went in. He did not. He was a caterpillar. And now those parts that he did not need any longer, old things had passed away. <laughs> Amen. Amen. And all things have become new. <clears throat> you know, I used to sing with the teenagers all the time at camp a lot. The things I used to do, I don't do them anymore. How many of you know that song? Amen. The places I used to go, I don't go there anymore. You know what that's all about? The change. There's been a great change since I've been born again. Why? Because my life has a different perspective. My life has a different purpose. And my life, in order for it to accomplish God's will, it's, it's, it's totally yielded and changed. Changed. And so this caterpillar is going to be totally changed. And now that chrysalis starts to crack open, and you see that wing in there. And, and, and right now that wing is wet, and it's rolled up. And then you, you might see and maybe a little, a little of an antenna that has formed inside the chrysalis. And you're looking, and, and all of a sudden, hey, the chrysalis starts to kind of change colors and, and almost gets to clear, and you can see, but the butterfly's not out yet. And all of a sudden, you see the wing start to come through that crack, and it starts to unfurl a little bit. And... Miss Pat, the piano player, brought me an article tonight. That she, she was ahead of me in the article there. Because let me tell you something. His struggle is not over yet. In this change that's taking place, he must face some struggles in the chrysalis. Why? Because it's going to prepare him 
to face and do what God wants him to do. Folks, when we go about trying to do the will of God in our life and letting God change us like he wants us to be, understand something. You're going to face some struggles. You're going to face some enemies. You're going to face some adversaries. But I'm going to tell you what, in those struggles, that's what's going to make us where we're going to endure and we're going to accomplish God's purpose and God's will. Those struggles, Paul knew. Paul told us about them, that he had a thorn in the flesh, and he had asked God to remove them, but God didn't see fit to remove them. But Paul said, in that time, I learned how sufficient God's grace is. And he said, I also learned in my weakness is his strength made perfect. I, hey, look, what he's saying here, he said, I would much rather, hey, listen, glory in mind, for him, that the power of God, that I may be able to have that power of God and it be seen in my life, is what he was saying. We go through things sometimes we don't fully understand why, but God says, I'm just trying to help you grow. Trying to help you grow. You know what? Well, we have five children. Our, our youngest son, when he was born, he was three days old. We found out he had a twisted intestine, didn't know anything was wrong, had a normal birth, but his little belly began to swell. They had to take him flying to the nearest children's hospital in Louisville by fixed-wing aircraft at midnight that night. They did emergency surgery, moved a portion, removed a portion of his intestine. And then that night, he quit breathing several times. They'd call us back and say, he stopped breathing. And then, lo and behold, he'd start breathing again. He spent 38 days, 38 days in a neonatal intensive care unit. You know what? I got to tell you something. In those times, I didn't understand everything that was going on. But I will tell you this. I realized the presence of God more than probably I'd ever done in my life. He was there. And you know what? God has enabled us to sometimes share with other people through what we experience to say, hey, we know what you're going through. We know what's there. And as a result, listen, I'm going to tell you something. We don't understand it, but God's still God. Amen. And this old butterfly, he's in there, and he's trying to get out of this chrysalis, and he's pushing that wing, and he's trying to get it through there. And I'm going to tell you what, hey, by the way, it's not quite as colorful as it's going to be yet. Because as the blood flow increases through him trying to get out of the chrysalis, it makes the colors emerge. And then his wings begin to unfurl, and he begins to stretch out, so to speak, and crack that, that chrysalis open even more. Air gets in there and starts to dry out the wings and everything. And all through those struggles, God is working to prepare him for his heavenly flight. Amen. Now, look at this. Stay with me here because I want you to see as we go to this next stage. Here we find we've talked about how that helps us, this change helps us with our relationship to the Lord, with our relationship to others, our relationship in the church. And now in the last part of chapter 12 and the first part of chapter 13, or the whole chapter 13, it's dealing with others. It's dealing with mankind. It's dealing with society. 
He says in verse number 17, Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. Let me tell you something. Remember who he's talking to. Roman believers living in a corrupt and wicked society. Roman believers who are going to face some terrible persecution coming. And as a result, he's trying to, to prepare them, but yet at the same time, he's trying to encourage them to be a witness in this corrupt society. And so as a result, he says, hey, here's how you're going to recompense no man to evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. Now look, this definitely shows that there's got to be a change in order to do this. It does not come by the old man. No, no, no. You, you see, I, I've always heard this. Uh, I don't get mad. I just get even. Well, God said, no, no, that, that's not his perspective. God said, recompense evil to no man for evil. No, how do you overcome evil? Do good. Do good. You know, you know if somebody wants to argue, you know what they really want from you if they're trying to argue with you? They want you to argue back. Don't, don't, don't it just bug you when you're trying to argue with somebody and they're trying to be nice to you? You know, husbands and wives. Come on now, I know, I'm looking here, you know. Sometimes it's just one of those things, somebody's, you know, you just won't be honored enough that you, and, and, and they just say, okay. And aren't you going to say anything? <laughs> hey, no, overcome evil with good. You heap coals of fire on hey, This is not natural to the old man. It takes a change to do this. And he's telling these believers here that's having to deal with this in this Roman society, there's enemies all around them of the cross, and they're having to deal with this all the time. And yet Paul is saying to you, if you'll be transformed, if you'll be changed, you'll be able to handle this situation. And allow God to do the vengeance. By the way, he can do more than we could ever imagine to do. And just put it in the hands of God. Now, let me just go ahead and bring this in since we're talking about the butterfly. Did you know what? When the butterfly's in the chrysalis, he's pretty much protected with that shell. But you know who his greatest enemy is inside the chrysalis? Himself. You know why? Because usually the only thing that harms the butterfly in the chrysalis is parasites that he brings in with him. In other words, he brings in something inside of him that will destroy him if it's allowed to remain. Now stay with me. Did you know what? We may not recognize it, but sometimes our worst enemy is ourselves. Amen. You know who I have more trouble with than anybody else I, I'm around? 
It's the guy I look at in the mirror every morning. Why? Because inside me, I know, hey, who I am. And I know I have flesh. And I have to recognize, hey, I have to deal with that. And, hey, we don't need, in this transformation, what we want to do is make sure those parasites of the world, those things that are ungodly, those things that don't belong in the life of a Christian, get rid of them. If you allow them to stay, they could destroy you. And so as a result, the caterpillar here, he has his own enemy inside the chrysalis is his self and carrying things that does not need to be in him, in there with him and would keep him from coming out of there. And so Paul is saying one of those things here is, hey, understand you're going to have adversaries. You're going to have enemies. But as a Christian, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Amen. I, I love this. You, when you go back and study the Bible, you'll notice, yes, they fought battles. But did you know what? Majority of the time, many of the times, what God asked his people to do was stand. You know what he offered to do for them? Fight the battles. I'll give you a quick illustration. I'm going to move on. <laughs> Try to anyway, okay? You remember when God told them that they were going to go and take the promised land? And God said, I will go before you and I will drive out the inhabitants of the land. I will send in hornets. He told them what he was going to do. They get to Kadesh Barnea and they send in spies. Are you with me? And the spies go in there. By the way, uh, did they really need spies? They go in there and 10 of those 12 spies come back and says, oh, 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 man, we saw giants in the land. There's walled cities. I mean, look, we are grasshoppers in our sight compared to those people. Did God know who was in the land? Did, did God know the situation that was going to befall them there? They come back and they come to this conclusion. We can't do it. Well, wait a minute. Y'all forgot something, didn't you? By the way, I'm Kentucky. Oklahoma's use y'all too, don't they? Yes, sir. Okay, good. Okay, all right. But he said, he said, look, you're going in. I'll fight for you. I'll drive the inhabitants out. Now, all of a sudden, they're looking at themselves and saying, hey, we are grasshoppers. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We can't do this. No, they forgot who was doing it. They forgot what God told them. And now they wanted to fight a battle that God said, you don't need to fight. You just need to be obedient to me and do what I say. And by faith, you go into that land and I'll show you what I can do. Well, it cost them, didn't it? Forty years it cost them. Because they, of unbelief. Yeah. Can I tell you something? We need to trust God. And when we come to our battles, don't run from God. Run to God. And allow him to do the fighting for you. By the way, we don't need to continually, if we're living according to the word, if we're doing what God wants us to do, we don't have to continually defend ourselves. God will take care of that. If we'll just do that. Hey, they may, they may say things falsely, but I'm going to tell you something. As long as we know in our heart it's right with God, 
we can continue on. You see, uh, it's important to realize that and how we're going to do that. First Peter chapter 2 there, I'll turn it real quick. First Peter chapter 2 and verse 21, the Bible says, For even hereunto were you called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was gal found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, he reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judges righteously. You see, Christ is our example. Look what he did. Look how he was accused. Look how he was treated. But yet, he didn't return that kind of treatment. And so here Paul is saying here we, we need to allow God to take care of those situations and those that are oppose us or against us, hey, he said, overcome evil with good, with good. And then in chapter 13, even further signs of this transformation and this change is respect for authority. Respect for authority. Paul here deals with this. Now, I'm not going to read all the verse for verse if you'll allow me to do that. And I, I just want you to see as you rule down, uh, uh, run down and read down through here that he's saying that uh, as Christians, we have a responsibility to be an example. Did you know I believe Christians are to be an example of good citizens? Really? And we shouldn't be examples of rebellion. Yeah. You see, <laughs> we're living in a rebellious society right now. But I tell you what, we're reaping wherein we've sown. My generation, amen, I'll claim that, not, I, I, even though I was not necessarily a part of that movement, but the free love, the, all that movement that was back in the 60s and the 70s, it was a rebellious movement. It was the time when they said, quit disciplining your children because you'll harm them. Yeah, if you spank them, you're going to hurt them. If you do it rightfully, you're going to help them, not hurt them. And so as a result, we had experts like Dr. Spock who knew nothing about children but became the authority and talked about if you correct them, you'll warp their personality. Well, my dad warped a few things, but it was never my personality. <laughs> but there's a price to pay for rebellion. Why do we have laws in the land? So we can have order instead of chaos. Did you know that the civil laws all originally came from the Word of God? They did, the civil laws. Now, man messes them up whenever he starts doing things. I understand. But you know what? We shouldn't have any problem be law-abiding unless those laws contradict God's Word. Are, are you understand what I'm saying? We should be that example of doing Why? Because God's allowed them. And as a result, we need to realize that that law gives us order. But here's the thing. You see, the first line of respect is a respect for God. But as parents, when we get children, they'll learn their respect for God by learning respect for their parents. 
They don't see God, but they can see their parents. And if there's no respect for authority of the parents, there'll be no respect for authority in the land, and there'll be no respect for the authority of God. Amen? We're seeing that. We're seeing that. And so as a result, we need to realize that, hey, here's what he's saying. When you transform, when you as a Christian, you're going to understand, look, it's my goal to try to live peacefully as I can, and I want to be a good example and a witness and a testimony for my Lord in everything that I do, in every walk of my life. And so he gives them instructions on how to do that and go about being that example in, as a citizen even. And so we, we need to realize that that's part of it. Well, that's the part you see. That's, he's coming out of the chrysalis. Why? So you can see outwardly. But folks understand, the outward is only going to change as the inward changes. When our attitude, when our philosophy, when our, uh, when our perspective, when it all gets lined up with God's word, I'm going to tell you what, it'll be seen. It'll be evident. Man looketh upon the outward appearance, but God looketh upon the heart. And I hear people saying, well, it don't really make any difference what I do outwardly because man only looks on the outward appearance, but God looks in the heart. Well, wait a minute. Don't take away from that part of the verse. God truly does look at the heart. But remember, God says when man looks at the outward appearance, hey, he's going to judge what the inward is like because he's not God. And he can't see our heart. All he can see is the outward. Let me ask this question. Have you ever been somewhere and saw somebody and heard somebody in, a, in, in the public? And as a Christian, you looked at them and you said, hmm. I bet they're Christians. Uh, they, you know what? I, I, I bet they go to church. You know what you're doing? You're seeing something outwardly that says to you something different about them. You ever been in a restaurant and see somebody bow their head and pray? Amen. I hope, I hope we all do that. Shouldn't be ashamed to do that. Amen. People are looking. My wife and I and Andrew, our youngest son, was traveling with us, and we were in a, I think it was a McDonald's. We had stopped, and we was eating, and so, uh, uh, but we hadn't started. We just got our food, and I bowed my head, and I said, let's pray. And I bowed my head, and you know how you, you, you can sense somebody is looking at you, or you sense somebody is around you? Well, I kind of sensed that, but I went on and, and finished praying, and when I did, this lady is right here. I mean, literally, her face and head is right over my shoulder. And it, I mean, I jumped. I wasn't expecting when I opened my eyes for this lady to be here. And I said, <laughs> and she said, oh, I'm sorry. She said, but I couldn't help but notice you were praying. And so I just wanted to hear what you were saying. And you prayed in Jesus' name. And I want you to know I'm a Christian. And I praise God that there's other Christians that's not ashamed of Jesus. You know, I had no idea the woman was in the building until she was right here. Now, and let me tell you something. I would not recommend necessarily you doing that. Amen. Some people, when they get a start, they react in different ways, you know. So somebody might reach out with their hand and do that. 
But what I'm trying to say is, it's the outwork that people are looking to see. That's all, that's only, that's all they can know. Pray. But don't be afraid where you're at to let Jesus be seen in you. It's, it's important. I'll, I'll, I'll share this. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying my best. Something. But I, as a young Christian, I remember the pastor talked about praying in public and praying over your food wherever you're at. And so he mentioned work. I wish he hadn't have done that. Because, I mean, I worked around a bunch of honorary guys in a meal. And I, and, but he mentioned that. And so we didn't have a lunchroom or anything. When we ate lunch, we just broke. We jumped up on a pile of uh, plywood or doors or whatever, and we ate our lunch. And so I thought, I need to do this. So the first day, that Monday after he had preached that on Sunday, I jumped on a pile of plywood, plywood that was way up high. I mean, I had to jump. Couldn't even get up there these days. But anyway, back then I could. I was much younger. And I got up there and I looked around, you know, trying to look at everybody. And, and so I said, I better pray. Amen. And I thought, man, nobody saw me. I'm okay. And the Holy Spirit said, you chicken. <laughs> I mean, inside of me, I knew what he was saying. Are you ashamed? Shame on you. So, worked on me all day. Went back the next day, and I got ready to pray. And I looked around. I bowed my head. I said, Lord, thank you for the food. Lord, help us the rest of the day. Keep me safe, I pray. When I opened my eyes, the plant superintendent was standing right there in front of me, down on the floor. And he said, Decker, did I just see you praying? And I said, yes, sir. And he said, Decker, are you a Christian? I said, yes, sir, I'm a new Christian. I've been saved very long at all. He said, well, praise the Lord. He said, Decker, I've been wanting a Christian that I could eat lunch with. You mind if I climb up there and eat lunch with you? And he said, we'll pray together. I said, good, you can pray tomorrow. <laughs> you know what? That day, just with that opportunity to pray, God gave me the opportunity to say, I'm not ashamed of my that's part of that transformation, changing, not being ashamed of the Lord. And so he goes on and says, be a good example. And then he, he talks about in, in the latter part here, our middle part of the verse, he talks about loving thy neighbor. Verse number nine, he says this, or excuse me, verse eight, Oh, no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Remember what Jesus, young man asking, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, all the commandments hinge on two. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength. And love thy neighbor as thyself. So Paul is quoting the Savior right here. 
And he's saying here, hey, look, you need to love your neighbor. Verse 10, love worketh no ill to his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And so as a result, he's saying, look, you and I need... Now, I'm not going to go back and preach another message, but that, that rich young mule said, who is my neighbor? <laughs> That's where we get the Good Samaritan and tell them about the Good Samaritan. And what the Lord was saying was, whoever has a need, he's your neighbor, and, and you need to help. And that's what Paul's saying. Hey, when we're changed, we get a burden for other people. We care about other people. We start wanting to see other people saved. We start wanting other people to, to come under the sound of the gospel. Why? Because we love them. And yet, you know what? If we're not careful in our life, we get so caught up on self, we get so caught up on our routine, we forget the very purpose that we've been saved for. And that was to go and preach the gospel unto every creature. Go into all the world. You say, well, that's the preacher's job. No, 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 my friend. That's every Christian's job. It, it was a command and a commission given to the local church, and the local church is a group of saved believers, amen, a body of baptized believers that's going to go out and take the gospel. And you're fixing to have a missions conference. Well, that'll cover it. No, that covers part of it. He said, go into Jerusalem. Hey, Jerusalem is your own city. That's where you're living at. That's your neighbors across the street. That's the people you work with. That's the people you go to school with. That's your Jerusalem. Judea would be like your state. Samaria would be like the United States. And then to the uttermost, worldwide missions. And that's all to be done at the same time. There's only one way that can happen. We got to be doing it at the same time they're doing it. Amen. And so as a result, hey, listen, we, we love our neighbor. We love them enough. Because greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friend. Jesus did that, amen? But also that means that you and I ought to be willing to go to others and even laying down our life. Why? Because we love our neighbor. We want them to be saved. And that kind of love is a love that's just not natural to this whole world. Only happens when we're transformed. Only happens when we're changed. And so Paul talks about that. And then he comes back to this point. And he says in verse number 11, And that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than we believed. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light, let us walk honestly as in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put you on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Paul comes back to that Roman society. And Paul is saying to these believers, it's time to wake up. It's time to come out of the chrysalis. It's time to get busy and don't live in the old things. Put them off. 
Get rid of them. He lists them for them. Why? The Romans practice every bit of this here. He tells them that, that they're to be children of the day and children of the light, and they're to cast off the works of darkness, and they're to walk honestly as in the day, not rioting, not drunkenness, chambering, oneness. These are all kinds of, uh, of sins of the flesh. And he's talking and he's saying here, look, you don't pattern yourself after Rome. You don't do those things. You're saved now. Live like you're saved and show others you're saved by the difference in your life. Amen. And he said, make no provision. You know what that means? Don't leave the door open for opportunity and temptation to overtake you. If you leave the door open a crack for the devil, he'll kick the door down. Sin, hey, you cannot make any provision for the old man and the flesh. Oh, I've heard people say this. I can handle it. No, you can't. None of us can. You know why? Because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. He that thinketh he standeth, take heed, lest ye fall. We all have a weak flesh. And as a result, we've got to stay awake and stay alert and allow God to help us to ward off and cast off those works of darkness and those works of the old man and the old flesh and put on the new man and walk in the light as he is in the light. Mm. What a difference when you walk in the light as he is in the light. Yeah. You're not trying to hide stuff when you're walking in the light. You know what? Generally, this is the way it works a lot of times. If we got things in our life that shouldn't be there, you know what we're continually doing? We're looking behind us to see. Did anybody see that? Does anybody know that? But what a peace comes when you don't have to do that. And the only way that works is to walk in the light as his in the light, because as long as you're in the light, hey, there's nothing hidden. Well, how do we do that, Brother Decker? By surrendering and submitting your life to God and be willing to cast off anything in your life that Christ would not be pleased with. That means change. Yeah, it means change. It, it could mean change the way you talk. It couldn't be. I, I give you one. I, I was working as a, right after I got saved. I was working in a garage, uh, and I and I was not. I mean, I was learning mechanics, but I I wasn't a mechanic. But I was a grease monkey. I did all changes until they told me to do something else. I was just I was just a teenager, an older teenager. And one day they told me to change some tie rod ends. Well, I had already told these men working there that I just got saved and I was a Christian. And none of them were saved. And I put a wrench on that tire rod in to get it loose, and it was frozen. And so I had to put more pressure on it. Some of you shaking your head, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? Some of you been there, done that, amen? Y'all know what's about to happen, don't you? What is it? Ah, man, that wrench slipped on it. And when it did, my knuckles went right into the edge of that, of that uh, arm assembly there and that wheel. And when it did, it just laid the hide back on that hand and them knuckles. 
And I went, hey, hey, and next thing I know, four of those men stand around me. And I thought, boy, they're concerned about me. <laughs> and all of a sudden, one of them said, go ahead, go ahead. I said, go, go ahead, what? He said, say it, you'll feel better, say it. And I said, Lord, help me. <laughs> and they said, that wasn't what we was talking about. <laughs> you know what they was waiting for me to do, because that's what they did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Can I tell you something? The only way we can do that is we got to let the Lord enable us to do it. That wasn't Joe Decker. No, 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 no. Hey, hey, because Joe Decker's old flesh would have did exactly what they do. But it was the Spirit of God living inside of me. And, and sometimes we got to change the way we talk. Sometimes we got to change the way we look. We don't, we don't want to pattern ourselves after the world. We don't want to look like the world. We, we want to look different. We want to have a Christian testimony because of our appearance. Amen. It means we're going to quit going some places. You say, boy, you're really meddling tonight. <laughs> no, I'm not, but God does in his word. Amen? We're going to be different. It means we're going to quit listening to certain types of music. Why? Because it's patterned after the world and has the world's type of music and lyrics to it. We're going to change the channel or turn it off when all that profanity and all the things start coming through that TV tube or that computer tube that's there that's green. Why? Because we've been changed. That which is holy and acceptable unto God. And so we find he's saying here, make no provision for the flesh. Here he comes. <clears throat> I don't want that old caterpillar. I don't want that old I want to grow. Man, I want to get out of here. And, and, and he comes out and he starts. Oh, man. Look, they move. And the next thing you know, he takes off. And he's saying, man, it's different up here. <laughs> Things sure look different from this place. Amen. Because ah. when you look, start looking through the eyes of Jesus, you'll see things differently. Amen. Here's a favorite saying that my pastor I surrendered under say, why do you want to walk like a turkey when you can soar like an eagle? So my, my expression for this illustration is, why do you want to crawl like a killer caterpillar when you can fly like a butterfly? He starts flying. Man, what a view. All that he can see. And you know what he's doing? Oh, listen. The beauty of the mom, sorry, son. The beauty of the monarch butterfly. Oh, it brings glory to God. Why? Because it's God's creation. 
this is bringing all kinds. And by, remember what? Hey, inside the, the chrysalis, he lost the, 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 the mouth that was chewing all the leaves and everything. And now it's been transformed into a mouth that can get down in that flower and just get the sweet nectar out of it. Isn't it amazing how the longer you stay in the Word of God, the sweeter it gets? Amen. Yeah, it just gets sweeter as we serve Him. You see, that's what God wants us to do. He wants us to enjoy our service for God. It's not a drudgery. When things are right with God, it's not, oh, I got to. It's I get to. Hey, it's Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Let's go to church. <laughs> oh, no. Sunday morning. I got to go to church. Wait a minute. Get up here. Get up here. Start looking at it through the eyes of Jesus in the way he wants you to. Let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. And then when you come to church, and you start singing the songs of Zion, let them words sink in. Have you ever sung mechanically? Don't raise your hand. I'll do it for you, okay? Sing mechanically. But I'm going to tell you why. Think about this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. It's not just a song. That's what happens to us. That's what takes place in our life. Butterfly. Most everybody looks at a butterfly. Hey, I'll pray. I'll pray. And they forget about the past. And they forget about the caterpillar. Because all they see is the beauty that God intended for this butterfly. You know what? When I look at a butterfly, after reading and studying this, it makes me think how great our God is. And how he can take and change a caterpillar into a butterfly. But glory to God, he did something greater than that. You know what that was? He took an old hell-bound sinner living in Kentucky and he saved him by his marvelous grace and took me off the road to hell and set me on the road to heaven and took away the old life and gave me a new life and old things passed away and all things became new and he gives me an opportunity to serve him and glory to God. Hey, listen, it can only happen by a great and mighty God. That's who our God is. You know what this butterfly does now? He fulfills his purpose. So what's he do? He starts flying, and then he starts thinking about the next generation. Or she. Amen. You know what? The female butterfly, she'll start looking for milkweed. You know what she does? She lands on that leaf and takes a bite of it. 
And she says, this is where my offspring need to grow up right here. She's making provision for the next generation. Say, Brother Decker, how do we do that? Get our children to church. Amen. Stay in church. Why? Because that's where they need to eat. You know why she lays her eggs on that milkweed? Because that's what he needs to eat in order to grow. And then she flies. And eventually she'll get to a place. And now, 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 not all butterflies go down to South America or Mexico. Some of them die. And they usually find a secluded place because they fulfilled their purpose and they've prepared the next generation of butterflies. Did you know it takes three generations of butterfly to fulfill a circuit in the migration? So it's a continual thing. They're always preparing for the next generation so it can be perpetuated and keep on going. Well, if we could do that as Christians and understand, look, we got to prepare another generation to take the Word of God and keep going with it. You say, well, Jesus is coming. He is, and I believe it's soon. But you know what we're supposed to do? We're to prepare as though it wasn't coming soon and keep on getting that next generation ready to preach the gospel and ready to live for him and ready to serve him. Get them in the house of God. You know what we need to do tonight? I'll tell you what, you'll, you'll, hear, you'll hear me wherever I go. I have a real burden for the young people that are sitting up here in these front seats. That's why I go to camp every summer and preach at camp. Why? Because I look out there and I see the potential of those children and those teenagers. Why? We need them to carry on. We've got to have them. And don't ever fall for that line that's given, well, they're the church of tomorrow. No, they're not. They're the church of today. And even a butterfly knows that if they stop preparing the next generation, it's over. It's over. And yet we're seeing a decrease in the number of servants for the Lord today. We're not seeing near the numbers surrender, young men surrendering to preach. Young ladies surrendering to full-time service to teach or be a missionary. Missionaries are coming home from the baby boomers. My generation, they're getting old and they're, some of them are getting sick and some of them are going to glory. And their biggest burden is this, we don't have anybody to take our place. We need somebody that will come and take our place. We've given our life there. And we're looking for replacements. Folks, we've got to have a burden. We've got to, not just for the foreign soul. I'm talking about right here at home. I'm talking about right outside these doors. I'm talking inside those school doors. Inside those college doors. Inside those house doors. Why do we transform? So God can use us until he takes us home. Say, when, when's our work ended? Oh, when he takes us home. Amen. That's it. But I got to end it this way. 1 Corinthians 15. Turn there with me. 1 Corinthians 15. I love this. 1 Corinthians 15.
1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. We're going to, toward the last of the chapter. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We should not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, GE timed that, they said, and found out it was 11 one-thousandth of a second. Don't worry about the technicalities, it's fast. Amen. At the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Here it is again. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption and this mortal must put on immortality. Let me just stop right there. There's one more change going to take place. <laughs> oh, by the way, it won't be a process. No, this transformation in Romans 12, 2, is a process. No, this next change for the child of God is quick. In the twinkling of an eye, there's going to trumpet sound and a shout. It's going to take place. And you know what? Immediately, we're going to be released from this old earth's gravity pool. And we're going up to the clouds. And 1 John says, we will be like him. I mean, just like that. What a change. That's the hope he was talking about. The butterfly's looking for that change. Hey, you and I are looking for the ultimate change. Down here, the metamorphosis changes us so we can give glory to God. But eventually that change will take place and it'll be for all of eternity. My first flight I ever took, I was in the flight up and, and it was cloudy that day, fully cloudy. Down here, drizz, drizzling rain everything, and the plane punched through the clouds. i never forget it. Looked like a big floor of cotton out there, sun shining up here. I mean, beautiful silvery white clouds out here. And there was an old Southern Gospel song years ago, and it was called, Stepping on the Clouds, We'll See Jesus Rise to Meet Him in the Air. How many of you heard that song before? Amen. I started singing that in that plane. Stepping on the clouds, we'll see Jesus rise to meet him in the air. Guy sitting next to me looked over and he said, let me tell you something, fella. You step on them clouds, you will see Jesus real fast. <laughs> and I said, if I did it now, I would, but praise God there's coming a day. I'll do it with no problem. Amen. And can I tell you this? In my own personal feelings, I'll interject that there. Folks, the time's getting short. I believe the time is getting close when that trump's going to sound. I can't tell you a day or an hour. The Bible says no man knows. If anybody comes to you and starts telling you there's a day and hour Jesus is coming, you can just write them off right there because that's contradiction to the Scripture. But I can tell you when the budding of the fig tree Tells me that summer's not. I'm going to tell you what. The stage is set. Things are ready. 
But when he comes, there's going to be a lot of people left behind because they don't know Jesus. You know what that means for you and I? No time to waste. Fervent in business, remember that? Redeeming your time? we got to use it. You know somebody's lost? No better time. Tonight, tomorrow. Go to them. Call them. Write them a letter. Put a track in it. Remind them they got an eternal soul that needs Jesus. You're coming here this weekend to Sunday, a time when we gather once again as Christians. Call them up. Say, I love you. I want you to come to church with me. It won't be a revival, but it'll just be you doing what God has called you to do. Show that change in your life. Show that change. I realize most of you in here faithfully here every time the door's open, but should there be somebody in here, you're not really in the church faithfully, no better time now to start coming faithfully. When the church service is going on, whenever it is, just by God's grace, determine, I'll be there. I'll be there. Can I tell you, after that first Sunday, when Thomas wasn't there, you notice what happened the following Sunday, don't you? He is there. He is there. I'd come in for no other reason. I don't want to miss anything. Amen? Come because you love Jesus. Done because you want to grow. Here we are tonight. I'm done. With the exception of just saying this. If you're not saved, get saved. If you are saved, get in the book. Get in church. Start growing. But, determined by God's grace, I'm going to change. I'm going to be transformed. I'm going to be so different that the world's going to notice what happened to them. What in the world? What took place in their life? And then show them. By your day-to-day life, by giving God the glory, and let God say, oh, they're my butterfly. I think we ought to want to be part of God's butterfly collection. And let him show us off to the world and say, that's my child right now. See him. I made him. Or her our heads. It's bowed nice closed. This part of the service is a part where you can take part and participate. The invitation time is what it is. It's an invitation for you to do business with God at an altar. I, you know what? We can, we can and we do business with God in our chairs or wherever we're at. But I am one that I've I believe there's something in stepping out and coming to an altar and it just kind of concretes that decision and that commitment and says, I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed if others know that God's spoken to my heart and touched my life. I want some things to be different. I want to be different. I want people to see Jesus in my heart. And I'm going to tell you what, when we're willing to turn away from the world and repent and turn to the Lord. God will empower us. He'll help us. 
to reach out to a lost and dying world.